Well, hello, hello, and welcome on in to the Glenn Merzer Show, brand new and coming at you for what we believe is the first time ever. I am Rich Reynolds. You can find me on social media at R-M-E-P Rich. You can also find me over at realmeneatplants.com and on the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, which is where I found our host, our esteemed host from the beautiful city of Bloomington, Indiana, the author of Food is Climate and Own Your Health, and the author of other books as well as being a screenwriter, playwright, and a stand-up comedian, an all-round good guy. Let's introduce you to the host of our program, Glenn Mercer. Thank you, Rich. And now that I've been introduced by you, yeah. <laughs> I want to interview you. This is kind of different. I'm usually the one doing the interviews, and that's how we found you. So I guess turnabout is fair play, right? Well, here's the thing. We're going to have this Glenn Merzer podcast. And by the way, I love the name of the show. Right. I've always wanted to be on <laughs> Fortuitous that you were available for it, um, you know? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Right. <laughs> It's tough casting, you know, once you have a show called The Glenn Merzer Show. So I've always wanted to be on The Glenn Merzer Show. And now that I'm going to have The Glenn Merzer Show, you're going to be my, I don't know what you call it, my I'm your setup guy is the way that I look at it. Yeah. So um, you, you had kind of set up right before we went on the air for this podcast. I'm hoping to be the Ed McMahon to your Johnny Carson. And that might be an old reference. Is there a newer reference? Is there a, a side person nowadays that does that same thing? And Andy Richter to Conan O'Brien, maybe, or something along those lines. I know, right? It's just... Even there, you're showing your age. <laughs> I don't know a, a yeah. newer reference, Glenn. <laughs> All right. Well, in any case, um, I figured let's get to know you since you're going to be I love present it. in all the shows. So tell us, Rich... Your background, you're a, a sports announcer. People can tell just by listening to your voice that you're a professional announcer. Um, what kind you of name sports it, I've done it. Do you, um, have Mike call? will travel now. Baseball is my favorite, and baseball is my first love and the first sport that I did play by play for, um, which a lot of people would assume is an easy sport to do because there's less action in it. But baseball is probably the hardest sport to call because there's less action in it. So you find out really quick in between pitches, like, oh my goodness. I better fill some time in here. In fact, I remember the first baseball game that I ever called. I was 17 years old, and I was on the air, and I'm like, what do I talk about now? The guy threw the ball. It was a ball, and now I got about 30 seconds before something else is going to happen again. What am I going to talk about? And so I learned very quickly to become a storyteller on the air and do that. But uh, my first on-air gig was in uh, suburban Chicago in Elmhurst, Illinois. It's a nice little town. And in the downtown area, they had a station that had been there for like 50 years. And in fact, was the first ever AM station to broadcast in stereo, which you just don't get. AM is mono all the way. And they played big band and jazz records. And so I was 17 years old, still in high school, a senior in high school, and I was playing Big band and jazz records. I mean, I can throw out their names. I know the difference 
between Jimmy Dorsey and um, Stan Kenton and um, you name, you know, Bunny uh, Berrigan. And I just... <laughs> Oh, we, we started with oh, the it's getting, man reference. Oh, yeah, it, it's getting older Stan and older, Kenton. you know, and, uh, you know, Les Brown. I love the love them. Les the Brown Miller and his band, band of renown and Artie Shaw with his clarinet. And, you know, I, you know, I, I knew them all. And it was it was a funny station because I would be on the air for two hours. Then they would lease out an hour of time to an Italian broadcaster by the name of Angelo Liberati. And so I would have to introduce him in Italian. And I didn't speak Italian, even though my, my background on my mom's side is Italian. Whoa. I would introduce him in Italian. They gave me a script and I learned how to read it. Luckily, I had learned Spanish along the way. But even though I was Italian, again, on my mom's side, we're like sixth generation Italian. The only thing that we speak is food and swear words. You know, that's basically it. And um, so I would introduce Angelo. And then an hour later, he would introduce me in English and I would come back on and spin some more records and um so it was it was an interesting start so you've done it's this been done before it was a long time ago before. you know uh, back when I was still a yeah. teenager which is a real long time ago um and so but yeah I've been broadcasting for a while I've done baseball football basketball hockey um I've also done soccer I've also done public address announcing for all those things I still do ring announcing for boxing cage announcing for MMA uh, I do uh, public address announcing for the University of Wisconsin at Madison so I do uh women's hockey women's soccer men's soccer uh, also, I've done men's hockey. I've filled in for basically every sport except for football and basketball. Uh, they got a guy by the name of Mike Mankey who is fantastic at it, who is doing that right now. And so uh, those are the two sports I haven't done. But other than that, you name it, minor league baseball. I've traveled with minor league baseball teams. I got to know major leaguers along the way. Uh, it's been one wild ride um, behind a microphone. And in fact, I got to call a college football game uh, just a couple weeks ago and more of those coming up. So you name it, I've done it. Uh, I've uh, I've been around for a while. So I guess that's how you get to do those things. Well, I, I share your view that is. baseball is the best of sports. the The challenge of hitting a ball coming at you 100 miles an hour. There's, there's nothing not, like that in the rest of sports. You know, I, I, I really would say the only other thing that's close. So hockey. You have to actually hit that puck while it's sliding on the ice, and it's not always flat. Sometimes it's twirling around. But the thing is, is that you're skating 30 miles an hour, and there's guys skating at you going 30 miles an hour who are trying to rip your head off, and they could legally almost do it. You know, just about everything south of the head they can hit and hit you hard. And so that would be the only other thing that I would say in sports where it also takes not only athletic ability but a high level of skill. So we'll throw hockey up there, but baseball. Baseball's the best, and it lends itself to radio, which to me I find more attractive than television, maybe because I got a face for radio um, that I like it so much. But you take a guy like Vin Scully, who broadcasted the Dodgers back when they were in Brooklyn um, and was pushing, you know, cigarettes and beer on the air, um, you know, all the way out to Los Angeles, and the guy would just spin a yarn and tell the story like you wouldn't believe, and just listening to him was worth it. I mean, I remember I used to stay up late just to get the AM signal from Los Angeles to hear him call games back when I was a teenager just because I loved the sound of his voice and the stories that he would tell. I couldn't care less about the the Los Angeles Dodgers. I, I was just a Vin Scully guy. And um, so when I call games, I'm always trying to reach that level of Vin Scully-ness, I guess is what you would say. And 
I haven't quite hit it yet. I haven't hit one out of the park like that, but Vin was the man, and uh, he broadcasted well into his 80s and um, just a terrific announcer. So that's what I pattern myself after, Glenn. Let me tell you what I don't like okay. about football and basketball and get your opinion. I was at a football game last night, Glenn. I was sense. at the uh, Green Bay okay. Packers Chicago Bears game and my Bears got trounced. I, I saw that I did. you they have metal the bleachers. bleachers at an NFL stadium. I what is that? that? I mean that that's high school and college. That's not NFL. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That doesn't sound good. But here's the thing with football. Mm -hmm. You can have a really exciting football game, and it's, you know, comes down, there's a minute left in the game, and there's a, a, you know, the team with the ball has, you know, has to, is four points behind, and there's a minute left, and they, quarterback throws a long pass, and the receiver makes a fabulous one-arm catch and, and escapes the, the uh, the defensive player and manages to to go into the the the, uh, the uh, end zone for a touchdown and the crowd goes wild yeah. and then you hear flag down yep. on the play holding so some some mm. uh, offensive lineman held the opponent which right. they do on every play anyway. And the whole thing gets called back, flag on the yep. play. They could call that anytime they want. So it always just seems to me um, sort of um, You are scratching me uh, right where random. I itch because it's one of the things that bugs the hell out of me, especially in the National Football League. So I like college football better. The NFL has like additional rules that are set up primarily to help the offense. So illegal contact doesn't exist in the high school level or the college level. It exists on the pro level. The substitution uh, penalties that they could have only exist on the NFL level. I, I don't understand even some of the catch rules in the NFL and what they have going on, but it seems like you're, you're exactly right. The amount of penalties in the National Football League are also way too high. Let them play and figure it out on the field, but sometimes I just think those officials know that there's millions of people watching, and they want to get their camera time as well, so they insert themselves into the game, and it, it just makes sometimes, to me, I, I believe sometimes the NFL is a real crappy product. Um, I understand that betters love it. They really do, and it's easy to bet and play fantasy sports with and what have you if you're into all of that I'm not I'm in a sports for the pure you know for the the love of the sports I I love the the competition I love the fact that it's unscripted drama I love the fact that there's backstories on all the guys and how they came up and how they got to where they are and some of those stories are absolutely fascinating um, and the amount of energy and time they've been able to put into it and sometimes it's all negated by an overzealous official who can't wait to get that yellow flag out of his pocket it's just crazy. Let's hope the commissioner is a big fan <laughs> As well of the Glenn be. Merzer show and, and is getting mm -hmm. this critique. Now, basketball, when I was a kid and watched basketball, wow. when Bill Russell was playing, they had a, a, a penalty for something called <laughs> traveling. That doesn't, that doesn't exist in the NBA anymore. Traveling Glenn. meant... 
Oh, no, I watch NBA games now. Guys go in for layups. They there run are the some, last five There are some steps. videos out there, and I think there's what one of Giannis Adanakumbo, so uh, the Greek freak here in Milwaukee, and uh, I'm actually uh, coming to you from Madison, Wisconsin, and he catches the ball at midcourt and doesn't dribble and ends up throwing down a, a slam dunk and never took a dribble from midcourt. He actually took five steps to get there. Now, he's really big. He's like 6'11". He could take five steps and get you know all the way to the basket from half court. But five steps is three steps too many. They'll give you two, and that's, that's it. So it's still three <laughs> steps too many, no whistle, no infraction for traveling. The game continued, and everybody played there on like go. it was nothing. And I'm like, where does the traveling begin? How far do you have to go? Why do they even yeah, well, you, bother dribbling the ball? You you they, actually they, they you actually brought up the, the, the fact about um, it's so random. I mean, they will arbitrarily though all of a sudden whistle a guy for traveling, and you're like, really? Now you're going to call traveling? It's usually not on one of the major superstars. So it'll be on some <laughs> guy that's just into the league or just came out of the G League or something like that. He'll get whistled for a travel. The guys that are superstars in the NBA, they never get it called on them. But you're absolutely right; they don't have traveling anymore, and it's just ugly right. to me. I I don't like watching that because it's just because come a league two of no traveling so it's either a dunk or it's a three-point attempt and that's all they do in the nba and i miss the days of them playing inside out basketball getting guys to post up other guys would drive other guys were shooters i mean there was a mix of guys on the floor now you just have shooters and dunkers and that's it and that's the nba in a nutshell and to me it's become kind of boring which is why i prefer baseball baseball is a pure sport and yeah, I mean, umpires call balls and strikes, and sometimes you could think you, know, you got a little cheated on one call or another. But in general, it's a very pure sport, and it's it's the pitcher against the batter and the field. I also love it too. Yeah, it's, it's just, just not a pure. game that needs to be uh, hurried. Doesn't need a clock. It's one of those games. Even when you go to whether it's in the minor league level, major league level, high school games, you could sit relax you could talk to the people that are next to you form that camaraderie it's it's nice baseball's just a nice way to spend an afternoon or an evening in the summer it's just a wonderful sport which leads us to our next subject which is that he your is. own son so is and he was playing player. yesterday so as well now that. you might have seen it I, I posted some video so he is kind of a late bloomer so he's always been kind of good at baseball we lived in uh, Texas for a while, right in uh, Austin, Texas, and he played there for a couple of years, and he was good and compared to the, even the Texas born and raised kids. You know, at eight, nine years old, he was standing out as a very good baseball player. At the age of 10, we had moved to Arizona. We lived just south of Flagstaff for a year. Uh, also, baseball, crazy kind of a place. He did well there. Got back to Wisconsin. He was a late bloomer. He was a skinny kid who was really short, all the way until right about his senior year. And then he grew, but he was still really skinny. So college offers were very few. There was one school that really wanted him called Edgewood College, and uh, they're in Madison, Wisconsin. And the coach is just wonderful. The program's great. And he started recruiting Joey back when he was a sophomore in high school. And Joey said, I felt really comfortable. I wanted to go there. And he has played his butt off. He has also, by the way, and he, we were having a conversation about this the other day. He's gone from 165 pounds to 220 pounds. Now, he had 
He had trouble doing this. Now, you could do it if you want to oh. get fat. I mean, you, you could obviously eat a lot of ice cream and you know peanut butter and go that direction with it. He decided what he was going to do was try to go. At first, he was going like the, the keto way. And there was a lot of, you know, high protein meats and eggs and steaks and, you know, stuff like that. And he couldn't bulk up. He wasn't gaining any weight at all. What he was gaining was zits. And he was gaining, he was gaining belly aches and he was having all kinds of like digestive issues and what have you, but he could never gain any weight. And so he is uh, almost six, four, just shy of six, four. So yeah. And, um, big kid. And he then went to a plant-based diet. He's a hundred percent plant-based now and was able to not only gain the weight because all of a sudden when he was eating meat and dairy and cheeses and whey protein and all that, he was lucky to eat 2000 calories in a day before he felt really sick. Well, now on a plant-based diet and my wife and I will cook for him and we got prepackaged meals and all of that kind of stuff. He literally will eat 5,500 to 6,000 calories per day and he's eating around the clock. But like he said, he goes, dad, I used to have gut rot. I would eat and I would feel bad. He goes, now I eat and I feel great. Like I just keep on going. And so he's able to put on the weight and it's all been good weight. In fact, I mean, he's been working with a personal trainer. He was the slowest kid on his team when he got to to college. He's now like the fastest kid on his team. Um, He went from not being able to hit home runs to being able to knock the ball out of the park by 100 feet. I mean, and he could throw over 90 miles an hour. He is like in the process of being scouted heavily by some teams. Um, We're pretty far down the road with one in particular. Maybe I'll just leave them out of it for now, but we've met with their their head of scouting, what have you. So we're expecting him to get drafted um, in July, but he's he's one heck of a ball player. And I tell you what, Glenn, not only the uh, the nutrition and recovery that he takes seriously, he's a worker bee. I mean, it's, it's lifting every day and working out, and it's 200 swings a day, and it's working with his personal trainer that works on specific motions for baseball. Uh, he never stops learning about the game and is a real true student of it. And um, what's amazing about it is I've never pushed him to do any of it. <laughs> he just he gravitated for it and found out that he loves it, and the more that he does it, the more that he continues to love it, And so, which is pretty rare for a kid to do, but he's a, he's a hell of a ball player. I guess I'm probably pretty uh, biased too in that opinion, but um, I'm not the only one that sees it, I guess, if, if other teams have seen it as well. Well, here's the thing. I would like to be following him okay. as part of this show. So from time to time, we're going to talk. They about had a doubleheader yesterday. He was six doing. for eight. He had six Spoleman. hits yesterday in that in that doubleheader, including one Whoa. that dented the outfield wall. He hit it so hard on a line. He thought it was a home run when he hit it, wow. and the crack of the bat's amazing. I posted the video on my on my Facebook. It dented the outfield wall. He only ended up getting a single out of it because I mean it was three hundred forty feet away. In an instant, he's like, Dad, I took two steps. I'd already hit off the wall and went right to the outfield. There, there was no way for me to get to second base, but it, it drove in a couple runs on that one. But, yeah, he had six hits yesterday, and uh, he's he's a machine when it comes to that kind of stuff. He really is. He plays center field, right and field. He, uh, he field? can play left, although that's not his favorite position. He plays first base, and he can pitch. So he he does it all. In fact, if he would have had one more inning last year, he would have set a school record um, for uh, earned run average for a season for his school. He also led the nation. He was tied for the, the nation lead in doubles last year. First team all region and missed all American 
by that much, but that's all right. We think we'll, he'll get it this year. By the way, he did all of that with a ruptured PCL in his right knee. He had the ligaments not attached at all and was only able to run about 60% and still, still was tied for the most doubles in the nation. So I think that's pretty darn good. So the the plant based it, diet it does helps him yeah and he even saw so he's got this right? band I forget what it's called it's it's not an Apple Watch like uh, one of those per se but it's a band that you wear and then it tells your phone like all of your health stats and what have you and so it tells you your recovery as well and so his recovery would always be like in the 80s or something like that which is pretty good recovery you want to be above that since he's gone 100% plant based his recovery is near 99 on a nightly basis and so the fact that you can recover quicker by eating plants instead of meat and dairy and stuff like that allows your body to be less inflamed, which means you could work out more. And for Joey, he's been able to do so much more because of the plant. So not even put on weight and put on good weight and not hurt his kidneys by doing it, by you know um, eating a, a lot of bad foods for you. He's also able to work out a lot harder and a lot longer and more often because the plants don't inflame his body. And uh, he just, he loves it. And now his coach actually, by the way, who is pretty darn open-minded about it, is going to make sure that when even when they're on the road, they're going to stop someplace where Joey can get something plant-based and uh, we'll have something plant-based with them because that's always been a struggle in the past. But um, his coach has really looked into it. And the more that the coach looks into it, the more he's like, wow, I didn't know all of this kind of stuff. So um, I like that. You know, this is kind of growing. There's this sphere of influence here. Uh, and so even at Edgewood College and in sports and athletics, you know, we're starting to see more people open their eyes to the fact that eating right and eating plants is the way to go. He is. Now, yeah. So he Joey's is now, a pure Which vegan. is amazing. All right. So how long has he been a... How so long he was about he 90% for the last couple of years, and he has been a pure vegan... Two and a half months. Yeah. So the the only time okay. he, the only time he would All eat right. and, and, and so just to clarify a, what that ninety percent meant the only time he would eat meats was when he was on the road and it, they would stop at, at the worst places. I mean, you know, they're they're stopping at McDonald's and Culver's and he there, there's no choices for the kid to actually eat on the road and then they would get back and and they would have a catered meal and the catered meal would be right. pizza. Um, you know, I mean, just the worst foods and so he never had a choice. He's like, Dad, if I don't eat this, then I'm not going to eat. And so it's not like he could take a, a refrigerator on the road with him when he was at home he had all of the cooked meals that my wife and I would make for him but out on the road it's a lot harder to do that so right and you just think about the irresponsibility of, of that to to bring kids you know, to these I, McDonald's and they are they're, they're because these are athletes. finely tuned athletes and you would think that the coaches would think okay I don't want to fatten these kids up I don't want to put garbage in their body but they they really don't think about it right. I don't think it's ever right. top of mind right now, when I was a kid, I had a favorite quarterback. Oh wow! Named Sonny Jurgens. Washington Redskins. He he played for yeah. Washington. <laughs> yeah, we can't say their last name because that's a bad last name. But but uh, he played for mm -hmm. Washington, and he was out of shape. He looked <laughs> like he ate at McDonald's every night, <laughs> and that was the great thing about being a Sonny Jurgensen fan because the man had such a great arm that he could, he could look like the people sitting on the couches watching him, you know? 
I, I love the pictures the they have. Uh, Len Dawson but, recently passed away and played for the Kansas City Chiefs. And at halftime, Len would go uh, ahead and light up a cigarette and drink a beer. And, you know, Ken, Kenny Stabler would do the same thing. I mean, guys nowadays wouldn't dream of doing that, which is which is good. I mean, these athletes have gotten smarter, yeah, over the years, absolutely. It's progress. <laughs> Right. So now here's what I here's what I'm hoping for your son. I'm hoping he becomes a professional ball player. I'm hoping he will visit us on the Glen Mercer. That would be show. great. Think he he maybe, is here. Uh, here's the thing. He's more like my wife. He's quiet time. by nature. So my daughter is the loquacious one at the tender age of 14. She has no problem uh, coming on, but I, I could twist his arm. I've interviewed him on, on my television show before, so right. he can definitely have his arm twisted. And he'll tell you all about it now because he is, he's bought in at this point because he's seeing such tremendous gains and he knows how much better he's, he's gotten. And he's gotten it from his teammates his teammates don't understand so his teammates will prod and they'll poke and they'll make fun of him and one of the things that he always comes back with is like listen i'm bigger than all you guys you know i got this way because i was eating right you know you guys could say whatever you want and you guys work out but i actually get gains and i've gotten this way because of plants now what do you have to say and that usually does shut them up pretty good <laughs> absolutely yeah, and he was six for eight <laughs> yesterday so there you go excellent so i'd love to have him on the show i want him to become a professional ball player now i hope this isn't asking too much but i then when he when he becomes a professional ball player i want wow. him to get his whole team to go vegan Tall and order. then all of the major leagues. Tall order. Yeah, it is. But I, Tall order? I I think you're starting to see it more and more. I mean, there's some, well, some baseball players now. Josh Donaldson, who plays for the Yankees. Spencer Strider, who is on the Atlanta Braves, a rookie who is fantastic and might end up winning Rookie of the Year. He's vegan. Uh, Pat Neshack, who's a couple of time all-star and a reliever, is vegan as well. And there's a, other guys whose names are escaping me even as of right now. But uh, it's nice to see that it's growing in baseball. Baseball's actually one of the hardest ones to grow it in because we're about probably in the NBA, maybe a third of the athletes are actually plant-based now, which there, there's a real movement there um, in the NBA. And even amongst African-American athletes, there's a real push on uh, to be vegan. And so they're, they're finding a path to it quickly, as are a lot of NFL players. So that was actually... Um, uh, Patrick Morgan and Charity Morgan, his wife, that were able to push that. And the Tennessee Titans uh, were able to get a lot of vegan players. And so now it's about 20% of the National Football League has actually gone plant-based. So baseball's been kind of dragging on it, but baseball drags usually on a lot of these things. They're a little slower to change than the other sports, and that's a, a lot of the guys in it too. But I think you're starting to see the push because we're starting to see it in, in young guys coming up in baseball. So there is hope, Glenn. He's in charge. Well, I'm putting Joey. <laughs> He's in trying to do it on his own team. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I I have a good friend who I'll introduce you to. We'll have him on oh, wow. the show. His name is Dr. Silish Rao. Silish is a systems engineer uh, from Stanford, I believe. Uh, and um he's the kind of guy who uh, he, in fact he was involved with wow. the the founding of the internet i've heard the name um, yeah, yeah the, i've that heard that, that he's brilliant high-tech so. work right and silish has done the math and he says that the whole world basically needs to go vegan in the next 10 years 
to to prevent uh, the the climate from heating up to the I think point you got them and talk about them in this book livable. right here, right? Food is climate. So, yeah. I I did indeed, and thank you for for holding up that book. I'm going to keep <laughs> as, you as, as the my Ed McMahon. Uh, co-host. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I quote Silas a number of times in that book, and Silas basically has uh, has told me that I have to try to turn the whole world vegan in this next decade, and uh, I have been trying to do that. There are almost 8 billion people in the world, <laughs> and I have developed a hernia. Right. Uh, you it know, is. This, is, this is a heavy lift to try to get. So I'm putting Joey. I'll let him know that he's been challenged. He loves players. challenges, Glenn. You know, he really does. A, yeah. Yeah, that's a few thousand people right there that's off. Well, you know, off and, my and I, I love to see it in, in males as well, you know, because it, it does seem like women are more open to the idea. Women actually will gravitate more to it. And I do think women take better care of themselves than men do. But I think part of that reason is men are bombarded with propaganda and the propaganda hits early and often that men are supposed to eat meat and burgers and steaks. And that's what makes you a man. And it's so much mm -hmm. harder at times, I think, to convince men and especially men when you're talking about athletes, you're talking talking about a lot of testosterone and a lot of competitive guys. And they think a lot of them really truly believe that if they give up meat, they're giving up an edge where you got to try and spin it the other way and you let them see the fact that if you actually give up meat and you're eating plants only, you're going to gain an edge uh, over your opponents and gain an edge over guys that are trying to beat you out for jobs on your own team. So I, I know boxers have been more and more seeing the light. MMA guys are more and more seeing it as well. Endurance athletes are way ahead of the curve um, on it. When you look at bicyclists and marathoner, uh, marathoners, triathletes, they're way ahead. But you know, for baseball guys, again, it kind of turns slow, but Joey's up to the challenge. I mean, he'll he'll do it. He's already, you know, trying to proselytize good. his team right now to uh, all become vegan. So, <laughs> very good, good. Because let let's talk for a minute about how stupid it is to think that you yeah. have to eat meat to be yeah. a good athlete, right, or to be strong. And I'm using the word stupid consciously because I have noticed, you know, vegans tend to be there are exceptions, but. Vegans and vegetarians tend to be nice people, tend to be gentle people. I mean, after all, a lot of people came to the vegetarian and then the mm -hmm. vegan diet because they don't want to harm animals because they're caring people and it upset them to see what we do to animals. And it really is kind of ugly what we do to animals in animal agriculture. So a lot of vegans are very gentle people and they will say, Something like, you know, you might want to consider moving more towards a plant-based diet. Dip your toe in the water. You know, there's a really a lot of nutrition in fruits and mm -hmm. vegetables. And they don't want to confront people because they're nice people. I remember when I moved to L.A. Uh, in the 80s. There was a uh, protest. There was going to be a, a vegetarian protest in front of McDonald's. And I thought, well, I don't know anybody. I'll go there. I'll see what this is like. I'm a writer anyway. Maybe I'll get a good story out of it. So I went to the protest of McDonald's. Yeah. And I was there. Casey Kasem who's in By your the way, field, are, are you going to tell the, the Shaggy story? Do you know the Scooby-Doo Shaggy story with Casey Kasem? So Casey Kasem is the voice of Shaggy. 
Um, the the original voice in all of the Scooby Doo cartoons. Okay. And if you follow the cartoon or know the cartoon at all, Scooby and Shaggy will eat anything, and so they're always hungry. And they make these giant sandwiches oh. that are about four feet tall and swallow them all in one bite. And Scooby always wants a Scooby snack. Casey Kasem actually said, and he went to the point he was going to strike. Actually, like a one-man strike, he would not be the voice of Shaggy and not continue as the voice of Shaggy unless Shaggy became a vegan. And all from that point on, if you look at all, and I remember as a kid thinking, there are a lot of vegetables on that sandwich. All of the sandwiches then that Shaggy would eat was all vegetables on there. That's all that it was. And absolutely amazing. But Casey Kasem, who was a vegan actually said he was not going to do Shaggy unless Shaggy also became a vegan. So so God love him. One one of the great broadcasters of all well, time. There Casey you go. Casey. Well, shit. Well, Casey was there with me and about uh, 20 other people protesting in front of McDonald's wow. uh, on Hollywood Boulevard in L.A. in the late 80s. And, there were, you know, Hollywood hmm. Boulevard has some druggies on the street, and there was some you know, uh, zoned out guy who sees us protesting, you know, I think I was holding a sign that said meat is murder or something like that, whatever sign they gave me. Right. And this druggie gets offended by us and he whips out a knife and he starts slashing the air, you know, in front of us, threatening us. And luckily there was a policeman there or a couple policemen and they rushed and they wrestled the guy to the ground mm. and they got the knife away from him. And here's the thing. As the two policemen were saving our lives and, and you know, uh, um, uh, neutralizing this threat of this drug, armed druggie, um, the vegetarians around me were saying, <laughs> "Wow, don't hurt him, <laughs> be nice. He was just a little bit upset. And you see, that's a little bit of a problem sometimes mm-hmm. with my people, a little too gentle. So I, I'm when I talk about how stupid it is to eat meat, I'm going to say stupid, and I'm not going to worry about offending people. Now, understand that I'm not calling people who eat meat stupid because obviously there are geniuses who eat meat. Right. I'm not saying you're a stupid person if you eat meat. I'm saying you could be a brilliant person doing something very stupid by eating. Yeah, I do believe. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of cognitive dissonance there. Um, I also think, too, I mean, you know, it's been so ingrained in people, whether it's the food pyramid that you were taught when you were in school or, you know, I've actually seen videos of it. I mean, my parents were fed videos in school when they were kids of milk. And people drinking milk and milk, they were told, was the healthiest thing that you could drink on the planet. Cow's milk was as good as it was going to get. It's for your for your bones, for muscles, all of this kind of stuff. You couldn't do anything better than drink milk. They still believe that. No matter what you tell them, you can't get that out of them. And I think a lot of times when you are educating them at an early age to believe something like that, kids will carry that with them for the rest of their lives. So I know, you know, stupid 
is a pretty decent word because there's all the information that you want out there right now to show you that that's not the case. All these things are not good for you. But sometimes I think maybe ignorant because they don't even know how to think this way, how to act this way, or where where to access the information. They think when they're picking up that gallon of milk at the store that they're doing something healthy for their body. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just start with common sense... Why in the world would cow milk be good for human beings? Cows are <laughs> 1,600 pounds. Do you want to grow up to be 1,600 pounds? Some people do. Pounds? I mean, why, why not drink? I mean, maybe if you want to slim down, have some mouse milk. You know, wh- wh- why in the world should people drink cow's milk? Who, yeah. who anointed the cow to be the, the, the animal that provides lactation for humans it's just preposterous just with without even going into the scientific studies without even uh, any um sophisticated analysis just common sense it's crazy would you would you who would lie under a cow and and uh you know uh try to uh suck at yeah, I, I think it's one of cow. those things, too. You know, I mean, they, they bring kids to dairy farms. So start- I've been on trips with it, you know, and back before I, you know, became plant-based and all of that. On, in Wisconsin, they do field trips to dairy farms, and kids actually get to pull on a cow udder and try and get the milk out, and everybody thinks, like, it's kind of a fun process. They don't show what really happens. You know, they're not showing rape racks, and they're not showing uh, cows that are, that are being artificially inseminated, and they're not showing some of the stuff, the other stuff, like the Babies being pulled away from the cows. Like I try to point out even to to my family and to anybody that will listen to me, I got a dairy farm less than a mile away from me. Less than a mile. This is Wisconsin. So pretty much you could throw a rock out the window. You're gonna hit a dairy farm. And there's all these crates. And I'm what I mean all these crates, I'm talking about scores of crates right outside of the dairy farm. And if people don't know what those are for, I mean they pull those calves away from the mothers almost instantaneously the calves don't get to know the mothers at all and into those crates they go female cows might get to live and stick around and be around the male cows either are going to become veal or become dead right away and that's what those crates are for and and the cows the mother cows will cry they will scream it's some of the most terrifying stuff that you've ever heard and but they don't show that you know what they show to kids the kids who have to drink milk in school because it's government mandated that there's milk in every single school what they show the kids is a cow laughing on on the box of milk and the carton of milk yeah happy cow you got to be kidding me it's just that doesn't exist um they're they're not happy cows either going to the slaughter or being milked every day of their life multiple times while they're being artificially inseminated until they can't produce milk anymore and then they become hot dog and and we know from the work of dr t colin campbell the china study that the casein Mm -hmm. in milk is carcinogenic the the amount of protein is excessive you know people eat meat and milk because they say they need the protein the body you, you bring up t colin campbell and, and i love that you do because so what a story can... for this guy he grew up on a dairy farm this guy actually set out to go to the philippines to prove okay. that people needed more dairy and and actual animal protein in their diets to be healthy and when he found the opposite to be true he stuck with what he found rather than trying to build a narrative around what he originally thought which sometimes happens in science 
science. Sometimes they don't give that up. Sometimes they're worried about they're losing their funding. This guy went against the grain, much to the chagrin of a lot of nutritionists and general thought at the time of what nutrition was, but has had oodles and oodles of data. You, you bring up the China study. I mean, that's not something that was done with 20 people in, in a small town. I mean, we're talking about millions of data points that they were able to accumulate over years and years of time and were able to, to prove this out. I mean, it doesn't get more scientific than that. And if that's not proof enough for you, I don't know what is, but I love, I mean, T. Colin Campbell, hero in, in this whole thing, in, the, in this whole movement for sure. And I I almost cringe to call it a movement because it shouldn't be. You know, you brought up common sense. It's just getting there. You know, I, I we're, we're missing it. I don't think you need a movement to common sense. I just think something needs to happen to wake people up. And if it's not zoonotic diseases and if it's not the obesity epidemic and it's not all the problems with heart failure and all the problems with the climate and all the problems with di type 2 diabetes, I don't know what it's going to take, Glenn. I mean, we're... <laughs> It, it, yeah, this is why I use the word. I don't stupid know because what what do people need to see? Stupid Look, might work. Stupid might be the perfect word. Yes, <laughs> I'm. I, I've been a vegan for thirty years. I I go to the doctor once a year <laughs> to ask him how nice. he's feeling. That's it. You know, I've never taken a pharmaceutical drug in my life except antibiotics, like when I had uh, oral surgery. You know, but other than that, I've never needed a pharmaceutical drug in my life. I know a lot of vegans who are also in excellent health, especially if you're not just, you know, being a vegan just means you're not eating animal products. You have to be a whole foods, low fat vegan, not somebody eating, you know, processed mm -hmm. things made with sugar and oil, which may be vegan, but they're not healthy. But if you're eating fruits, vegetables, mushrooms, whole grains, legumes, some nuts and seeds. That's the healthiest diet on the planet. And, and you know, whenever I read a book or an article from the other side, the people trying to advocate for eating meat and butter and animal foods, they always do the same thing. It's the same old trick. They set up a straw man. And the straw man is processed vegan foods, you know, a high sugar sugar diet. And they say, see, people are eating so much sugar, it's bad for them. Well, yes, I'm not making the case for sugar. I'm making the case for mushrooms. I'm making the case for beans. I'm making the case for vegetables, for greens, for fruit. So, so you know, of course, sugar is a problem. Of course, people drinking soda. I think people are worried about sacrificing flavor. So um, right before we went on the show today, I went ahead and made myself a quote-unquote meatloaf. The meat in it was chickpeas. Okay, so I, 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 I made up some chickpeas ahead of time. I, I mashed those down. I included some onions and some garlic and some carrots and celery that I chopped up and sauteed in water. By the way, you could do that in water instead of oil. It's okay. Um, I mixed all of that together um, with some yeah. whole grain panko breadcrumbs uh, that I make myself out of the bread that my wife makes herself. And uh, we want to, I, I just mash it all together, baked it for a while. Came out, you know, I, I actually put some uh, tamari in there too to kind of uh, spice it up. I guess you're going to get some sodium that way, you know, a little bit of, of flavor that way. But I tell you what. 
It's, it's fantastic. And there's there's no guilt about eating it, and it tastes great. And I think people think, oh, my goodness, if I give up meat, if I give up dairy, what am I going to do? You know, And it's always amazing sometimes when you just go that extra step, cook a little bit, find some stuff that really works for you, as uh, and you can ha- create some great dishes. In fact, um, a guy, and I don't know if you know him by the name of Shane Martin, and has a website called Shane and Simple. And this is a guy who's a whole food plant-based guy, and so are the recipes that are on his website. And they are just wonderful. He's trying to recreate like some southern cooking, but whole food plant-based, no oils, no sugar, no salt. Those are the rules um, that he has on there. And his recipes are fantastic. I mean, there's stuff that's like breakfast sausage. I I think my family calls them oatmeal cookies because they kind of look like oatmeal cookies, but it tastes like breakfast sausage. And it's mostly oats, um, you know, that are in there. I mean, it's just just wonderful stuff. And um, there's a world of stuff out there. When I gave up meat and dairy, I opened myself up to the possibility of thousands of foods that I'd never had before or wasn't eating regularly. And I absolutely love it. It really is. It's the most I've enjoyed food in my entire life. And yeah, it's great. Right. I love my food. I eat all the time and I'm, I'm the same weight I was in high school, you know? So when you're eating foods that aren't calorically dense, you can eat so much of it. You can, you can, I mean, does anybody get fat? On <laughs> there's, rice there's no counting calories, and, uh, and broccoli, you know, once you, you go know? that direction. Yeah. So it's just wonderful because you could eat as much as you want mm-hmm. and you know, you just avoid the oil and avoid the animal kingdom and, and avoid way, yeah. the sugar and you're good. Um, now, now tell our listeners, Rich, how well, you it's, it's kind of funny because broadcasting was diet. part of it. So I was 28 at the time and I was doing a morning show. In fact, I had a morning show on a news talk station. I would get about a 30-minute break and then I had to do a sports talk show right after that. So I was on the air for about seven hours over the stretch of a seven and a half, eight hour period at all. It all kind of depended on the day. But anyways, I was on the air one day. It was a Thursday morning, I'm 28 years old. I didn't think that I was, you know, necessarily unhealthy. And it was 645 in the morning and the owner of the radio station comes in and I we go to commercial. I'm like, hey, morning. And he goes, Rich, are you drunk? Like he was mad at me. And I'm like, drunk at 6 45 in the morning and he goes well were you drinking last night i'm like i don't normally drink hardly ever like i'm not drunk i don't know what i got to do to convince you and he goes well you're slurring your words on the air i didn't even know it and as it turned out i had a small stroke and this was at 28 years old 28 but again i mean going back and looking at it I mean, I had dairy and meat with every meal. I, I'm talking every single meal. There wasn't one that didn't have dairy and or meat included in it. So I was, uh, I was a little bit overweight, and yeah, Were you it, was, overweight? it wasn't good. I was about at that point. Like right now, I'm holding about 220 on my way down. But I was at my highest was at 275 pounds, and that's probably where I was at at that point. And so oh, yeah. that didn't do it to scare me into plant-based. It did scare me into the doctor and they started putting me on meds and I was on prescription meds for a lot of years. However, it never seemed to get my blood pressure down. I had continued small strokes and uh, TIAs, they uh, call them as well, until it finally got to the point where I had one that kind of affected my speech for a couple of weeks where it was really slow, really slurred. I didn't know if I would ever get it back. And seeing as that's 44 How old at, were that you time, at that time. 
So you you at that at this point you'd have it had about fifteen or sixteen yes. years worth and of it, it, minor strokes. Yes, so four that were documented, Number of them. and every time they would tell me this was like a precursor right. to a major stroke, and but they never, no one ever, there was never a doctor that said, "Rich, watch what you're eating." Rich, stop eating the, you know, this. Maybe you should eat more fiber in your diet. Maybe get some more, you know, uh, plants in your diet. How about some, an apple a day to keep the doctor away? Rich, nobody ever said that to me. They said, "Here's another med." Medicine. Here's another pill you could take, you know, and I, it never worked. It was, it wasn't going anywhere. And so I had to figure something out and quick because I started thinking I'm going to leave my wife and kids behind and I'm going to be pretty darn young. I'm not going to hit 50, uh, on this uh, path that I'm on right now. And so, so my wife always wanted me to eat better, but for her, like eating better at that point meant like chicken and fish. And so I would incorporate more chicken and fish. It wasn't helping obviously. And I actually think, you know, a lot of that is actually pretty darn bad for a chicken. The, the sodium content is usually off the charts and the fat is still bad and there's nothing really good about it. And so, yeah. um, I, I kept going down that path. Her sister is vegan. And her sister tried to convince me to go that direction. And I used to laugh her off. I mean, you know, I had the propaganda in my head too. You know, you got to eat meat. I, I did the Atkins diet before. You know, it was all meat. And, you know, you, you think that this was the, the path to go, but nothing would work. And so I started exploring into that. I started reading about that. I read the China study. I had watched Forks Over Knives. But the thing that really did it for me, the, the message that got me was the Game Changers. And I'm not sure why it spoke to me, but that movie, and, and luckily, I mean, I've been able to interview Dotsie Bausch out of there and Dr. Kim Williams and, you know, out, out of Forks Over Knives. We've talked to Dr. Michael Clapper. I mean, some, some wonderful people. And that movie, though, I think it was because it's so I don't know, testosterone laden. It flies straight in the face of the propaganda that says, no, you could be a man. And they show these guys that are weightlifters and bodybuilders and Nimai Delgado and Patrick Bobomian and, you know, boxers and Nate Diaz from the MMA and football players. And you're like, wait a second. Those guys, man, like those are the guys that I look to and say, these these are the guys that I like being around. These are my guys. I played sports. I call sports. I'm around sports all the time. And it really struck a nerve with me. And a couple of days later, I made the decision that I was going to go plant-based. And I told my wife, I, rem I even remember telling her, I said, well, on holidays and maybe like on weekends, if you cook something, I'll still eat some meat. But a couple of days into it, any thought that I had of eating meat was completely gone. And not only that, I started feeling better and I could tell changes in myself. And what I used to have too was like some crippling arthritis. Glenn, I could not bend down and get back up without the use of a table or chair. And I was 46 years old. 46. I mean, it shouldn't have been that way. And then once I started doing this, I started feeling better. The arthritis was gone within two weeks. My blood pressure just kept going down, 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 down. Everything started to change in my life. And I'm like, I'm never going back. I, I, there's no reason why I ever would. Um, and one thing that used to happen to me all the time too, I was sick all of the time. I would get a cold or a flu on a monthly basis that would last for a week or so. And I would have sinus issues. I would always have a sinus headache. Getting rid of the dairy and getting rid of the animal, animal products, I 
I kid you not. I don't need to blow my nose ever. I'm not sick. I don't get I don't get the sniffles or a sore throat. These things don't happen to me anymore. And it's such a breath of fresh air. It's like I didn't know that I could just breathe through my nose and sit. I always had my mouth open and looked like I was catching flies because I couldn't breathe through my nose. I mean, the the thing that really did it though. I mean, you would think that I would have been scared 15 years ago or 10 years ago. But the thing that did it, it was it was one last stroke, and it was it was bigger than the rest of them. And finally, though, the message that struck me was what was the game changers, and that's what I think too. I think your message might be different than my message, might be different than Doctor Clapper's message, might be different than Doctor uh, Esselstyn's message. They're all different, but hopefully, one of those messages is going to resonate with somebody, and they're going to say, "Wait a second, all right, this is this does make sense." This is the way that I should go. And I just, we need one person to be able to speak to somebody and be able to change those lives. I'm so lucky. I've got cousins that are plant-based now. My son is plant-based. Uh, you know, my, my daughter's almost all the way there. Her friends will still get her to eat meat sometimes and, and do that kind of stuff during sleepovers. And, you know, she's still at, at 14. She could be manipulated, I think, still a little bit. Um, but there have been people that I know, friends, there are guy friends of mine that have switched and have gone plant-based and have and made this. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, I was hoping to hope one person, one person would change their mind, but other people have been doing it and people that I know, and they've been reaching out for advice and they say, Rich, how have you been able to do it? How have you been able to maintain? And it, it really, I mean, it's so heartwarming to me, but I also, I know I'm not steering them down a path. I'm not trying to sell them anything. There's nothing that I've ever told them to buy or, you know, some special diet to follow. Just just follow your body and your body will tell you once you make that switch, your body's like, this is good. You feel great now. This is the way it's supposed to be. You feel like a kid again as well you should because that's how your body's supposed to eat. You're just doing what's natural for you and what's good for you and what's good for the environment. It's such a great feeling. It really is. But she she's not all the now, way did there your wife yet make either. The change she's with you? one of these people that believes everything in moderation. And so she feels that if she wants to have chicken on Sunday because that's a traditional Polish meal to eat, she's going to continue to eat chicken on Sunday. Meanwhile, she will make the fake chicken. We we make ours out of chickpeas um, and make uh, patties and uh, you know stuff like that that tastes like chicken. I mean, you know, she'll, she'll spice it up and it tastes great. I don't know if it's chicken, but I mean, it it tastes wonderful. And, uh, she makes kluskis, which are, uh, made out of uh, potato and, uh, and some flour in there. And, uh, you know, the, the white flour is not the best for you, but we'll, we'll do it on Sundays. And she makes like this vegan gravy, uh, that to, to go along with it and beets. Um, so, and, and we'll do that. And it's a traditional Polish meal and it's fantastic. And uh, she has, she'll veganize everything though. She cooks everything vegan and tries to get to whole food plant-based as much as possible uh, for both me and my son. Um, and it's just, uh, it's, it's terrific. I mean, she's, yeah. Oh, she, she, she knows so how healthy it is. There. And like, she's like I said, close. her, her sister is, her sister's husband is. Um, but I think in Europe, they, they, they still live in Europe over in Poland. Um, they're, they're ahead of the curve on this, uh, you know, way, way farther out than we are. There's a lot more vegan restaurants and a lot more stuff, um, that that's veganized there. Even her dad, um, who's in his mid seventies now was a coal miner, uh, for his life. He's seeing the light because he's even noticing, you know, how much better he feels the more and more that he stays away from things like sausage and chicken, um, which are staples over there in, in Poland. But a lot more people are making the change in Europe. I love that they're ahead of the curve. 
Well, maybe it's too soon to ask this in the Norberal <laughs> Glenn Merzer podcast. But Are you kidding? My wife to hears me show? enough that she refuses, refuses <laughs> to go ahead and, and listen to the show. She she always, yes. All right, well, then we can every talk week. about Absolutely. her every, every she, week. She's wonderful. I mean, it's going to be 25 years in May, and you know, I couldn't ask uh, for a better partner in life, and she's brilliant. She's got a couple of master's degrees from, from over in Poland. She's a teacher, and she's trying to make her impact on the world. Her impact, by the way, plant-based, not only cooking for us, she had a teacher that she was working with who was trying to push milk on the kids, and she said to the kids, drink milk. It's good for bones, and my wife took her aside and said, hey, you should probably do some research on this and read about it because milk's not that good for you not good for your bones the next day the teacher came back and said i will never push milk on kids again she she did the research and so so we're, we're all making good. a dent in things we're all definitely trying to uh to help this cause because we we all know that it's it, it's the right path it's the right thing to do Well, you've been married 25 years to a Polish woman. I've been wow. married 26 years to a Polish woman. So um, yep. <laughs> we have a bond there. Uh, so how long ago? So I went vegan now. It'll be three years vegan? in November. November 1st. Has been fantastic. And in your fact, health I was on since six then? prescription medications three years ago. I'm now on none. Um, and that was even at the advice of my doctor. Um, who I would see, I, I just see the doctor once a year now, like you said, to see how, how the doctor's doing. Uh, I have a physical and all my blood work comes back great and uh, blood pressure's great and everything's good and I don't have any issues and all the markers that are there that would be precursor for stroke are gone. Um, and so there's no reason for me to continue on. I've been off of the meds now for almost a year. And uh, not only have I not have any ill effects, I love not having side effects uh, in my life and dominating me anymore. So it's been it, it it's been a brilliant you know ride. And there's there's really I mean three years is great. My only regret is is that it wasn't thirty years like for you um, where where I had made that switch and you know picked right. up a book by. Yeah. Uh, who is a John Robbins from, you know, a Diet for a New America back in the day. I, I should have done that. Um, but who knew? I was stupid. Right. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and and what's the you know, hardest part? Is there any there, hard There part was at first, about and it was mostly way. family pushback. Uh, I don't think they understood what I was doing. They took bets on it. I think my dad had me going a week. My mom had me going 10 days. My wife thought it would last two weeks. They all thought that I was doing it for attention. And, you know, being a being a broadcaster, they think that you want attention like that all the time anyways. And that, that was not it. I tried to explain to them what I was doing, why I was doing it, the research you know, that, that, that I put into it. But the hardest part really is it's the family pushback. There are people in your family, they're going to think you're doing the wrong thing, that you're making a bad choice for yourself. It's not that they you know, um, don't want you to be healthy. They think you're going to be unhealthy by not eating meats. That's, that's what a lot of people believe, that, that you have to drink milk then you got to eat meats and you know i yeah. i like to tell them every time you know i'm i'm living proof that you're wrong it's just <laughs> so i went from 275 like i said i'm around 220 lose? right now the ultimate goal um and by the way i do have a trainer friend that's going to start helping me out next week like i want to get back to army weight 
Uh, and for me, that was 175. And so that's the goal. Yeah, with my boots on, one, wow. 175. That's that's where we're Another going. 50 and pounds. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hit that really hard and start hitting the weights and getting back to working out because I know that I need it. Not only did I go to a football game last night, I saw some friends I hadn't seen in 30 years. And so we decided, because we used to play football together all the time, we'd play two hand touch football. We decided to play two hand touch football yesterday. And uh, it was wonderful I, I threw a touchdown pass i had a great time but i'm feeling it today <laughs> for her for being a little bit out of football shape uh as as you would say but at 50 i, I know i gotta watch it and i can't push myself quite as hard um, as i would like to but i definitely do need to get back in the gym and and do some rowing and do some steps and um hit the weights here a little bit and start transforming myself back to fighting weight like I was when I was in the army. I have a goal to be able to put that uniform back on that I've saved all of these years. So, Well, you know, one thing your story illustrates is the extraordinary it incompetence does, yeah. of the medical community. I mean, how many times did you, how many times did you go to the doctor? You had four strokes, had high blood pressure during those years, yep, probably multiple. more you than bet. one doctor, right? Multiple doctors, and not one of them says something that you and I, who are not doctors and not scientists, know, which is right. you weren't eating human food. You Absolutely. were eating food that was making you sick. Animal flesh is not human food. Cow lactation is not human food. Oil and fried foods, not really human food. Human food is fruits, vegetables, legumes, mushrooms. Glenn, if, if it was food, I, I always do it this way. So there were last year in the state of Wisconsin, I believe it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 12,000 accidents with deer in the state of Wisconsin. We have them everywhere. But I would think if that was food... You would see a deer get hit in the roadkill and that blood all over, and you would start salivating if that was actual food for you. You would see that and say, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to eat right through the yeah. fur, the skin, into the bones and all that sinew and tendons, and I'm going to rip that flesh out into my mouth and taste that iron from the blood and really you know, chow down on this dead thing because that's what's making me hungry. But I know everyone's reaction when they see that happen or they see uh, you know, animal flesh like that or dead animals, their first reaction is, Ew. I mean, even stuff that you pick up from the store, raw steak. A lot of times people, ew, they don't want to touch raw chicken. Ew. Why wouldn't you want to touch raw chicken? If it was food, you would eat it raw. You would rip the neck off of that chicken with your bare hands if you could catch it in the first place. And then you would start eating through the feathers. That is not food for us. There are things that do make us salivate. You go, we go apple picking now this time of year in the state of Wisconsin. It's wonderful. And you see that perfect apple on the tree and you're like, oh man, I want to eat that apple because that's food that's the difference those colors are there you have trichromatic vision for a reason glenn and it's for that and it's not for animal flesh i mean your teeth you really expect your teeth to be able to rip through flesh i mean i know my dog who's an omnivore can break bones i know my cat can't wait till i die because he'll eat me while i'm still warm but i also know that that, that animal <laughs> flesh is not food because we don't salivate over it why would we have to cook it what 
what other animal is cooking food somewhere and putting it over fire and, and chopping? That, that, that kind of stuff it doesn't exist in nature. I mean, there's really actually an argument we can make here for raw vegans who are, are probably on more of the right path than anybody else, that if you can't eat it without cooking it, that you probably have a problem with it. And so... Um, well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with that because mm -hmm. we evolved to eat starch. Um, you know, uh, we evolved in Africa and we move north. And as we move north, we evolved the capacity to eat starches. And starches like potatoes. Yeah, so I don't know. I can't <laughs> eat a raw potato. They uh, rice and potatoes, but there's no evidence that they do you any harm. In fact, there's plenty of evidence that they're yeah that they're very good for you. So, uh, you know, to, to a lot of people e eating a vegan lifestyle, they right. wrongly think of as restrictive. You and I know that it isn't restrictive, that there's a, there's a, there's an abundance of foods for us to eat. But when you start with the raw diet, and I know some people do it successfully, but the problem is yep. it's hard to eat the starches then. And if you don't have the starches, if you don't have the potatoes and the rice and the corn, uh, if you're just eating salad greens and nuts and seeds, you're going to go heavy on the nuts yeah. and seeds. I, and I agree with that. I'm, I'm not poo-pooing cooking. And there is actually so, are um, arguments to make that some of that stuff cooked yeah. or broken down and chopped up actually gets the nutrients nutrients to you a lot faster. Uh, you know, spinach in a blender when you make it up in, in a smoothie, um, once that's all chopped up, is actually going to get you more of the micronutrients and phytonutrients from the spinach than if you didn't chop it up um, in, in the first place. So, uh, you know, there's, there's definite arguments to, to make for it. I'm just saying, they're they're on a much smarter path even the the raw vegans understand what's food over the the people that are you know so-called carnists or arm, omnivores that are on the definite yeah. wrong path right right and it's certainly Absolutely. important to have a raw yep. component to your diet you want to have you want to have those raw greens you want to have carrots you want to have some raw foods whether it needs to be 20% or 40% or 60% or 80%, that's sort of an individual thing. But you need a raw component to your diet, but you, you need to make sure that you completely abstain from animal foods and avoid oil and avoid Absolutely. sugar. Those are the keys. Um, and um, we will talk in future episodes of, I can't say it enough, the Glenn Merzer podcast. Uh, we will talk about healthy eating strategies and we will talk about nutrition. But I think what we've shown here is that common sense should rule. Common sense tells you that we, we shouldn't be eating flesh and, and you would, nobody would, <laughs> would suckle a cow so it's insane to have cow milk. Um, and so go with nature, with what, what's human nature. Eat human foods. Uh, the so-called canine teeth that we have, try, 
Try comparing right. that to the canine yep. tooth of a tiger. Your house cat. Seriously, carnage. look at your house cat. So, and, um, and look at what, what their jaws can do and what they're meant to yeah. do and those teeth and what they do to rip through flesh. You don't have that. That that's not what you do. You're you're much more along the lines. I mean, we're, we're not. I don't think we're herbivores. I, I think we're frugivores. I think that there's scientific um, reason for that. But if we take a look at our teeth and what our jaws can do and how they can move around and stuff like that, it's much more closer to a cow and a herbivore and what you can do as far as mashing up food than it is like an actual carnivore or an omnivore that could break through bones or break through flesh and tear through that. We, we don't have that. That is not what we're able to do. We don't have claws or talons or anything like that to even kill prey or hold on to him that way. But they're really good for like peeling oranges, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're good for playing the piano, but they're not good yeah. for catching animals. So tell us the difference so between fruitivores, a so if, if you and look at like Our physiology and what it's actually based on and how our, our physiology works, especially glucose we need glucose to fuel our brains without glucose this is where you'll get people on the keto diet that will complain about having brain fog well yeah you're starving your brain your brain needs a ton of glucose i think it takes up 70 or 75 percent of all the glucose that you eat goes straight to your brain to fuel this thing that is you know such a, a power plant that's running everything in your life it's telling your body to do everything that it possibly does and so frugivores basically Basically, you, you could make the argument, you could, you could do it this way. You could eat fruit alone and get all the nutrients that you need to survive. Um, and so we should live probably in more of a world of scarcity um, than we actually do in abundance, which is where we live now because we've been able to pool resources as a society and we can get whatever we want. But if you had to live, say Glenn Merzer is on Naked and Afraid all of a sudden, and he wants to know what he has to live on for 21 days, Glenn could live on fruit just like any one of us could for 21 days without ill effect um, because you're able to feed your brain, which is going to feed everything else and give you all of, of the nutrients, micronutrients, phytonutrients that you're going to need, the fiber, water that you get through your food. You should be getting water when you're eating food, um, and you're going to find all of that in fruits. But we're mostly aligned with a, a frugivore type of physiology um, from the alkalinity in our body to the, the acidity in our body with that, that, that balance as well um, to the long colon that we have, intestines, what have you. Everything that we have in our body tells Tells us that we are frugivores, um, and so I'm I'm happy if people want to say herbivore. I think frugivore is a little bit a better definition of what we actually are because of the need for glucose to really fuel our brains. Without it, uh, we're we're really kind of lost, and so um, you're you're going to want to get all that stuff from fruits. So fruits, I think, are are super important um, on a daily basis. I know some people think that you're getting sugar, or you can get a sugar rush from it. Listen, those are natural sugars. If you eat the whole fruit the way that it's intended, then you're going to have an apple. Don't have apple juice. Have the whole apple because the fiber that goes along with it is what keeps the sugar from spiking anywhere. You don't have blood sugar spikes then, and it keeps you nice and even keeled, absorbs it correctly, and gets that glucose to your brain, um, which is what you're going to need to um, be efficient and a good human being. So um, so yeah, frugivore, look it up if you, if you, if you don't know frugivore. I, I, I love that term, and I, I do think that's what we are as humans. 
Well, I'll go with either frugivore or herbivore, but but yep. clearly that's it the is. natural human diet. And here's my nutritional perspective, and we'll talk about this again on other shows. But my approach is what I call fuel plus fortification. Now, what I mean by fortification, I don't mean that when they add uh, <laughs> niacin okay. to uh, flour or something like that. I mean... Um, what fortifies you against disease, phytochemicals um, and um, antioxidants. So first you need to get the fuel right. This is the contribution that Dr. John McDougall has made to the plant-based movement. He emphasizes getting the right fuel, which is starch, which is potatoes, sweet potatoes, beans, rice, corn, when you eat that, you're satiated, get enough calories, and, the, and these foods themselves have a lot of phytonutrients. So you get your fuel correctly. You get your fuel from these low-fat sources that are filling. And because if you go on a vegan diet and you try to mm -hmm. do it with salads alone, you're going to get hungry. You're going to get hungry eating just lettuce. You need to eat potatoes, sweet potatoes, beans, corn, rice. So the fuel is starch. The fortification is everything else. It's the vegetables, the mushrooms, the peppers, the fruits, the, uh, some nuts and seeds, uh, the sprouts. So what you want to do is have as much diversity of plants as you can. You know, you want to... Yeah, I think people should count. Start the day, have breakfast, see how many... You know, even if you have oatmeal for breakfast, well, then add blueberries, strawberries, have it on a bed of, of romaine lettuce, whatever. Eat as many plants as you can during the day. Get your fuel right, low-fat foods that are starches, and then add as much as possible of the fortification. I, I also think, because you're, you're so right, Glenn, I, and, I also talk about too, and, and I try to tell people, eat a rainbow. Um, because the different colors that those vegetables and fruits have actually have different nutrients in them. So carrots are going to be different than beets, are going to be different than pears, are going to be different. Make sure that you're eating a rainbow here. Um, you know, get your leafy greens in there and all of that kind of stuff because they all have different nutrients and all together. Because you'll hear the, the, the counter argument for meat eaters is, well, you're not getting enough complete um, uh, proteins and you need, you need complete proteins. And it's like, yeah, but if, <laughs> if I eat all of the amino acids that come from these foods, they will form complete proteins, yes or no. Well, that's only like, you know, vegans that know how to eat a complete diet. Yeah, just eat a rainbow. Eat different color foods every single day. Get those all together and you will be just fine fine you know you, you talk about some vegans will just eat salads all the time there are a lot of vegans that will just get into this narrow mold sometimes where they have oatmeal for breakfast and salad for lunch and like the, the the same thing for dinner and they're missing out on the entire spectrum of color that they do need to eat every day make sure you have something orange in there something red something blue get it into your diet i mean blueberries are fantastic i, I have blueberries every day love them you hmm. know what my favorite food is my Purple's favorite fantastic. food is anything purple. I discovered I love purple foods. I love mm -hmm. I love purple potatoes, purple sweet potatoes. I love purple grapes. 
Good colors. Uh, yeah. Japanese eggplant. Yeah, yeah uh, Anything good. purple. I'm just good. I even like getting bruised. Yep. Just <laughs> anything purple. I'm good with that. So yeah, what's, what's it's, your, what's it's your the blues and food? it's the oranges and, and bright, bright greens. I mean, I just, yeah. you know, I, I eat spinach every single day and, you know, kale, I like kale, but I love spinach. So, um, you know, I'm more, I'm more along the lines of Popeye, by the way, uh -huh. who was, I think was the first vegan superhero out there. Popeye who would get strong on spinach and beat up guys. There was a character named Wimpy. If you remember, boy, we're really dating ourselves. So we're going to talk about Popeye. There was a character called Wimpy who only ate hamburgers. And Wimpy said, I would gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. And he was fat and he was wimpy, and all he lived on was hamburgers. And Popeye would beat up Bluto or Brutus. He would beat him up by eating spinach. He, was, by the way, was married to Olive Oil, or that was his girlfriend. Who Olive Oil, uh, you know, was skinny uh -huh. and you know was was eating olive oil. I guess I don't know. They, you know, back in the early 1900s, I was thinking that they probably thought olive oil was pretty good, and it was definitely better for you than what Wimpy was eating. So, um, you know, Popeye was the first vegan superhero out there, Glenn. Well, I think we can conclude this first episode. <laughs> I am what I am. Yeah. That's the other thing, too. He, he's a yams. He mentioned yams. Perfect. Whoa, what a guy. <laughs> yams. Yeah. Yeah. So when we resort to the Popeye argument, we know we're out of ammunition. <laughs> but uh, that's great. It's great to know your story, Rich. And so we will go on in future episodes to interview a lot of leaders in the plant-based movement and and just ordinary people who've it, made yeah. themselves healthy and we will and we will <laughs> count on your son to make Absolutely. the major leagues <laughs> vegan don't just make, make the major leagues, but make Double them work vegan. For them. And, and again, uh, Glenn, gr great job. You can find us at realmanyplants.com. Um, and while you're there, take a look around and also check out uh, our other podcasts like the Real Men Eat Plants podcast as well. Catch Glenn on social media all over the place and make sure that you're looking for his books out there, including... Uh, food is climate and own your health. Those are uh, two of the biggies with Chef AJ, by the way, who I had a chance to talk to is absolutely brilliant um, as well. So make sure that you are grabbing a hold of those and getting everything that you can on the pod. Glenn, thanks. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I was actually interviewed. So thanks, uh, Rich. that was uh, terrific. And uh, I, I'm really looking forward to doing lots and lots of these shows with you because uh, I, I love this budding friendship that we got going on here, Glenn. So uh, excellent stuff. So, so great job. And thank you so all for listening to the Glenn Merzer Show. Uh, and we'll be back next time. Bye-bye.